The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. God's up, giddy up. Welcome to Failure to Stipe. Failure to Stop Night Shift. It's True Crime Tuesday, and I think we got a heck of a story tonight. We got the Tracy Kirkpatrick show coming live to you uh, from North Carolina. A lot of people in the live chats tonight. Megan B's up in here. I haven't seen her in a while. Captain Micah Bosco Falconator. The list goes on. Thank you guys so much. Tonight's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and Factor Meals. Factormeals.com, promo code Wolfpack50. Andrea, it looks like you've been diving into those factor meals look at you look at you I tonight have, look, i literally ate one bef before we started tonight it's yeah you the did i can see there. it I all did. over your face you can see <laughs> got a little, uh, got a little sauce over there <laughs> a little broccoli <laughs> in your teeth uh but no seriously guys factormeals.com if you're uh if you're a first responder if you're on the go and you need meals uh, that keep up with the rest of the squad listen why all your little peasant squad mates are in the squad room eating pb and j's you can be over there with your factor meal. These are fresh chef cooked meals delivered to your door. Never frozen, always fresh. All you got to do is put them in the microwave. What is it like two minutes and 30 seconds, something like that? Yeah, I usually do just right at two minutes. Right at two minutes. Uh, well, she's got one of those like high dollar microwaves. So, you know what I'm saying? She rich. But yeah, no, look at these meals. If you're on the uh, YouTube, you can see there's like a 300 different menu items on these things. You got the calorie conscious meals. You got the protein heavy meals, whatever you want for your diet. Factor Meals has it at factormeals.com. Use that promo code Wolfpack50. We had the my bookie thing this last week with the fight. Daddy right here, $111 on mybookie.com using that promo code Wolfpack. So let's go. Um, I don't know. I don't really know much about the fights. I just, I put my, I put my money on the underdogs and the underdogs won. So look at me go tonight. We're covering Tracy Kirkpatrick. We got a lot going on in the news. Uh, if you're tuning into the very first time, this is the failure stop podcast channel. We do five shows a week over here, all geared to keeping first responders entertained so that they don't have to count on the mainstream media. Who's been dicking you guys around for far too long. So we give you a little bit of comedy on Mondays, some true crime on Tuesdays, political news on Wednesdays, dispatch stuff on Thursdays and case breakdowns on Fridays. And then we got a new show coming this week called night shift TSI top secret information, which is a little bit conspiracy theory ish. That's going to be a lot of fun on our Patreon channel this week, tomorrow T bones with Tansy. I'll be having a T bone steak with Anthony Ramadi. So if you want to go follow Anthony Ramadi, he's a political comedian over on Instagram, big giant influencer, hundreds of thousands of followers on the old uh, Instagrams. And he is absolutely hilarious, but I will sit down tomorrow with a steak dinner and it is just going to be a lot of fun. So if you want to be a paid member on the Patreon, there you go. If you want to be a paid member on the YouTubes, you can do that too. Got a little bit of something for everyone, but tonight it's all about true crime and it's all about the beautiful and the audacious Andrea Uplate. Hello, hello. All right, guys. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, we are talking about uh, Tracy Kirkpatrick tonight. And so she's someone who went missing in 19 or excuse me, was murdered in 1989. And it's still unsolved. It's a pretty crazy case. Uh, but before we dive in. Oh, did we did we lose Andrea there, Deadleg, or is that me? Nope, we lost her. We lost her for the first time ever. It's not my fault. Um, she's the problem. It's her. Well, I'm glad I was here. Hey, you guys. It's the underpaid producer. I just wanted to say that Andrea's audio cuts out quite a few times, so I'm going to edit it up and try to make it uh, as seamless as I can. So if it kind of just jumps in the middle of a conversation, that's why. The show. So we've got some from 1989. Actually, the box office and the radio were banging in 1989. Everything was the best. So we have the actual original Tim Burton Batman, the one with Michael oh, Keaton. I was just talking yes. about that this weekend with some people. Great. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. When Harry Met Sally. What? Y'all, come Dude, on. 1989 was the best year ever. Oh, I'm sorry. Not done. Dead Poets Society. Never heard of her. Stop it. 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Lethal Just watched it this two. weekend. Uh, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 uh. New Kids on the Block. Oh, huge fan. Huge fan. Went to all their sleeping concerts. bag, a pen, another pen, a nightgown. I was going to marry Jordan Knight. I'm just kidding. Uh, believe it. Believe it or not, but 1989, I was still straight. So I didn't have any of those things. <laughs> we had the finales of both Moonlighting and Family Ties, and I loved them both. Uh, Miami Vice was done in May of that year. Blah, blah, blah. But the music, I'm just going to go over a couple of things, guys, and we'll get into stuff. The music that year, come on now. We've got Wind Beneath My Wings, Bette Midler. Um, I'll Be Loving You Forever, New Kids on the Block. Uh, Richard Mark Satisfied. Uh, let's see here. Oh, if you don't know me by now, right? No, I don't know any one. of these songs. Come on. Really? I, I've never heard of and not a single song that you just mentioned have I heard of. Okay, what about Cold Hearted by Paula Abdul? Hanging Tough? Oh, Paula Abdul. She was my first celebrity crush. She was my first concert. Your first lesbian crush. <laughs> my first concert. I Are you serious? Uh-huh. Jewels? Does she have that belly button ring? God, I love that thing. I don't remember, but she had the cat. Remember the big, like, mascot-looking cat that would, like, run around with her or, like, be in the background of the videos that... It was like an animated cat in her videos. It was a weird, it was a weird decade, guys. When I see you smile, what by that? Oh, come on, Millie Vanilli, blame it on the rain. Mm. Yeah. We didn't start the fire. Nothing, you got nothing. Oh, well, that's what we got going on in 1989. Good Let's movies. I don't know about the music, but the movies were definitely on fire. Fire. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull up my little comments here. Dude, yet. Michael Endrick says that Paul Abdul was fine. Yes, she was, dude. I remember seeing Lion King and the trailer to Lion King. Like, you know, when they play the trailers at the beginning mm -hmm. of the movie, they had something coming out for like Paula Abdul's thing and she was like belly dancing. I think it was like my first public boner. My my first public Hofnar. I guess it wasn't a Hofnar because there was a reason. It was because there was a Paula Abdul was shaking her hips in front of me. I remember yes, sitting was. in the theater being like, what? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it says Michael Hendricks, Paul Abdul was fun. All right, let's see here. Oh. Megan says that she's going to see herself out because she doesn't meet the age requirements. That's fine. That's fine, Megan. We're here for everybody. Look, let's talk a little bit of crime updates, and then we'll dive into the Tracy Kirkpatrick case. What I was starting to say before everything went to the upside down in my internet a minute ago was that uh, last week we talked about Asha Degree, the nine-year-old who went missing back in the year 2000. She was last seen. It's a super bizarre story walking down the highway in North Carolina in February and pouring down rain at like 3 a.m. She was known to be terrified of the dark and of thunderstorms. No one has ever been able to understand why she would have left her home alone. However, three separate Witnesses have corroborated her sighting in the same outfit at the same time on the same stretch of highway. So I think there's no doubt that she was there. There's like a candy wrapper trail like Hansel and Gretel to an outbuilding that has her belongings from her backpack. Crazy stuff. Um, you know, Eric, the more I've thought about it, we talked on the sleepwalking idea before. I am going with sleepwalking. I, I think that that's what got her out of the house. And I, I... think that the guy said uh -huh. real quick and i want to hear what you have to say but the yeah. guy who called in later he was a prisoner um about a month after this happened with asha after she went missing he wound up being imprisoned on separate charges but he called in hoping to get his sentence um you know lessened a bit but he called in to say that he was the passenger of a vehicle a truck and they had just had a big old drug deal and the driver accidentally hit something they find out it's a person throw her in the back Driver drops him off at home, leaves for a while, comes back, says he's gotten rid of the body, tells him where it is, whatever. He tries to tell police where it is. They search this big area of a field, I mean, but they find nothing, which I don't think necessarily means anything. And I think it can be just as sideways or tragic or weird as that, that the child could have been sleepwalking and hit by a car. And they didn't come forward because they had just gone through with a drug deal. Yep, I'll go with that. I was uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, okay. there was a girl staying with us. And in the middle of the night, she went missing. And uh, we kind of freaked out. We were like, where is she? 
And uh, I went outside to check. Like I ran down down the fire, um, you know, those like fire stairs, like fire yeah. escape stairs. So they had these like fire escape stairs where the place where you're staying. And she was down at the bottom, just standing there, like in a sleepwalk trance. And uh, yeah, so she made it all the way down the fire yeah. fire stairs because the window was, I think that's why I went out was because the, the window was open. But I could see Well, she that had little, her backpack with her. It would be like yeah. the normal thing she would do to get up and go to school. Like she locked yeah. the door behind her. Like she unlocked and locked the door behind her. And every she was a latchkey kid at home anyway. So yeah. she would have done these things. And I think that the first guy that talks about seeing her or maybe. But know, how would the they never find her body? Because, well, because I think, okay, so if they guy then her body that, would be right off of the road then. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But remember, the one guy says that they hit her with the truck. Oh, so they, you think they stopped and got rid of the I body? I think that he said that they did. The okay. guy that was in the passenger seat said that the driver hit something, like didn't mean to, but right. realizes it's a kid, a person, oh. throws her in the back because it's a truck, uh. and that he left, came back, and told him where he disposed of the body. Now, to police to investigate that, I'm not sure to what lengths. Also, if it's a big rural field off of this highway, you know, the guy could have like kind of told him where it was, but maybe not exactly for this reason, in case he talks. Either way, I think that that, while that sounds wild, that seems to be that makes more sense to me than almost makes anything a lot of else. sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, so that was Asha Degree. Go back and listen to that, y'all, if you didn't. It was um, it's case. a super sad uh, case, but it was a good one to talk about. Yeah, because it's very interesting. Um, I've only got a couple more things to cover. I did mention the Marines last week, the three that were found here in North Carolina. Yeah, um, dead in a car and how initially they said immediately that they did not suspect uh, overdose whatsoever. They've come back to say that actually it was carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, so these three men, young Marines, I think between the ages of 19 and 23, were in a parked car at a gas station. So wh- why did they why do you think that they were subjected to carbon monoxide, Andrea? Well, if there was. You know, I think that what I read was there had been a lot of upgrades done on that car. So if they were kind of, if somebody was uh, doing all kinds of kind of souping it up a lot, something yeah. could have happened. The line could have kind of gotten, you know, damaged or something. Unfortunately, that has happened before. And I think that what made this so bizarre is that there were three of them, right? So you think suicide, maybe two could have had a pact, but three, you know, you think like all of these other things, um, they immediately said they didn't think it was foul play. So yeah. Um, that's super sad, man. Yeah. It's really sad and just kind of just weird and tragic. Right. Uh, number, the third thing I want to talk about is Tara Calico. We talked about her. She was the one who went missing. Um, I think in 1989 as well, maybe, uh, she'd gone 19 years old on a bike ride and never came home. It was a ride she took every day. She's the one dead. I sent you that picture where that one Polaroid picture showed up in Florida, a few months later oh, of two yeah. children that looked like they were bound and gagged in the back of like a van. That was creepy. Yeah. And so there's always been disputes on whether or not that was actually Tara and this other missing little boy. Then there were some hoaxes over the years, but as of right now, New Mexico police have as of like now, like last month said that they have um, one or two suspects in the case and they are about to be ready to charge. So oh. something has happened and they we're about to find out a whole lot more with that. That was a super weird story. That is exciting because that was a very weird case. Oh my gosh. And oh, then the last update. So sorry. The last update would be on Rex Huerman, who was the Long Island serial killer, or right. supposed to be the one that was just charged uh last week or whatever. We do know that his uh that they found, which totally creeped me out, but they found a soundproof basement like chamber yeah. in his home. And we know a lot of these girls that were murdered were sex workers that all had a lot in common, including they advertised their services on like Backpage and Craigslist and stuff. And a lot of them, instead of standing on a street corner, like waiting for a John, they would go. A lot of them even had drivers and would go to the client's home. So it makes me think that they went to his home that had this soundproof basement he also had i don't care if people have a lot of guns but he did have between two and three hundred guns um in the same little area he actually had a ton more knives as well which the knives creep me out a little bit more they had pistols revolvers uh rifles said he was an avid child's hunter. play child's um, play right you know rookie, yeah, rookie numbers dude stuff that shit up 
They only knew of, so 92 were registered in the state. So I'm just kind of reading this from the source real quick. Did you see the, uh, did you see the statement from his wife? Um, I heard that's disgusting as a quote, but I don't know. Fucking, she's all not heard about the search warrant. And they, my children didn't even have a bed to sleep on and they just cried themselves to sleep. They oh, thrashed honey, the pillows and the couches. I'm like, dude, fuck your kids. There are four dead women that your husband murdered and like nine more that he's on the hook for. So like, I'm not even sure how that's a consideration. Like yeah, I'm taking right? my kids and we're going as far away as possible. They can Dude, search what I, they need. I would not even be, if I'm that mom or that wife, I'm not giving a statement to the police, uh, to the, the media. Um, I'm not staying in the house. No. <laughs> what about oh that? Oh my God. Do the kids cry themselves to sleep? Dude, listen. That's the yeah, price you pay for doing business. That. You know what I mean? Like you married an ex murderer. So I mean, sucks gracious. to suck, but so damn. It says that yeah, it, it does say that um, they searched his house, obviously looking for some souvenirs from the killings. Uh, we know that a lot of the girls were missing items of clothing and things like that. Uh, they searched a storage unit, and it just says that they've got a flood of things to go through. I can only imagine. So we will definitely keep you guys up to date on that as that story continues to unfold and i'm ready to get let's go into, i want to hear about this tracy kirkpatrick uh, tracy kirkpatrick if you're ready oh uh, listen can i throw this over to dead leg let's do it right. can you so sit in tracy from me for patrick um no go ahead uh, sorry i was gonna say if dead leg wanted to jump in here and react for you tonight yeah. dead leg are you on he said we're gonna that bring he in, probably we're going to bring so. in we're going to bring in dead leg media here and he's going to take my spot tonight for the rest of the evening because I have family in town and a wife who is super, super prego and having all sorts of pregnancy issues. We might be having a, a baby here in a few days. Spoil alert. Uh, and we do do a home birth. And so I think dead leg said you're going live for the updates during the, yep. the live birth. So that'll be fun. You know, hopefully everything goes out. All right. If not, the whole world's going to know about it first. Uh, that's going to be pretty disgusting, but Josh, I appreciate you filling in for me for the rest of the evening. You guys have fun. I will be listening on my phone and engaging in the chats. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Unless there's a baby, I will see you at 12 noon for last call of the day. Good Thank luck, Ash. All right. So much. have a good night. Guns up. <laughs> see you, Eric. All right, guys. So Tracy Kirkpatrick, uh, you're going to see me refer to my uh, grandma notes. I've still got the pen on my because I'm left handed. So it's all over probably my face and my hand if you can see me tonight. Uh, so Tracy Kirkpatrick was residing at the time in Frederick, Maryland. So Frederick was um, just like kind of on the western side of Maryland, kind of like Virginia border, if you will. So she was born on June 9th, 1971 to Bill and Diane Kirkpatrick. She was the third of four children. She had two sisters and a brother. Uh, they lived at a place actually called, we refer to it as Frederick, but that's kind of the bigger town beside the small town they lived in. The small town was Point of Rocks, Maryland. I think at the time had a population of just over a thousand. So very teeny tiny town, but with the bigger city of uh, Frederick beside them. Tracy was described as funny, very smart, and feisty. So they say that she can get, she was not rude, but she was straightforward. So if you were bothering her or she didn't want to talk to you, she would let you know pretty boldly. Uh, they say that she was constantly driving around with her friends and listening to music. She would bring home small animals to try to rescue them. Uh, she was an honor student and kept her GPA between 3.5 and 4. She enjoyed uh, reading and writing poetry quite a lot. Uh, in March of 1989, she was working two part-time jobs. Okay. So she was really wanting to save some money to go to this business school. Um, her mom didn't actually even really want her to work. She wanted her just to concentrate on her studies, but obviously she was doing well there. And Tracy didn't want to be a burden to her family, uh, as school approached as college approached. Uh, so she had plans to go to St. Mary's business school, potentially for accounting, I think. And then ultimately she wanted to go to law school. Um, so she was a smart cookie. And on the evening of March 15th, this will be the evening in question of 1989, Tracy was scheduled to work the closing shift at a women's sportswear. That's what they called it at the time, right? Now we have what dead like athleisure and all these, you know, women live Oops. in exercise clothes that they don't work out in. 
Um, but at the time, I'm picturing like leotards and like spandex, like tights and leggings and things, right? Oh, the neon colors too. Can't you picture like the really high cut leg leotards and like maybe some um, straight up to some leg warmers? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Scrunchies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Those made a comeback. But she worked there at um, Eileen's. It was Eileen's Women's Sportswear. And so she actually, her other part-time job that she worked was a shoe store that was right beside Eileen's in that same in that same mall. So it was a pretty small uh, mall, like around 20 stores or so. This was her first time this evening working the closing shift. And so um, very similarly to now, the mall was set to close at nine o'clock. So as you would think, probably between 8.30 and nine, she's starting to probably kind of start to count the register, tally up receipts if it's if it's slow in there, you know, and kind of start getting her stuff done. So like I said, she had not done that before. This was at the West Ridge Shopping Center there in Frederick, Maryland. So around six o'clock that evening, Diane, that's her mother, came by to bring her some dinner. Uh, she knew that she'd been, of course, at school all day and then straight to work. So she brought her some dinner. And at that time, her mom said that Tracy was alone and just kind of reading a book. Remember, guys, so many other things to do when we didn't have phones. So she was reading and they talked for a while. Uh, Tracy told her at that time that she was tired and she looked forward to going home and kind of going straight to bed when she got home. She was beat. So mom talks to her for a little while and then leaves. So then at 8 p.m., so we're approaching closing time, her manager comes by to kind of just check on her, make sure she understands the closing process and whatnot. She talks with her for a little while uh, and then eventually left. The cash register doesn't show any sales from this time forward, like at all. So we, you know, maybe someone came in and walked around the store browsing and left without a purchase. But from everything it sounds like in witness accounts, it sounds like she was probably alone at that from that time forward. It doesn't sound like there was, it was very bustling that night. Um, so at 9 p.m., the security guard for the mall noted that the light was still on inside her store, but that really doesn't mean anything because it, you know, could take her 15, 20 minutes to close up shop. Um, so he didn't think much of it and he continues to make his rounds. I could talk about, I know I could talk about, I can talk about factor meals. These are, when I say some of the best things that we've had, this is one of the coolest things that I've experienced from being with the podcast is getting some factor mirrors. They're literally the simplest thing is easy. You just take them out. They have literally what they have written, what they are on the side of them. So it's got chicken and rice or whatever the, whatever the stuff is, throw them in the microwave, two minutes, you're done. Open it up and you're ready to go. So around, um, but you just did the factor ad with, look, y'all. Seriously, just ate one. I said that earlier, but it was delicious. It was some kind of chicken. It was the garlic and herb chicken breast with smoked cheddar cauliflower grits. It was really tasty. All right, guys. So around 1050 that night. So again, the security guard made rounds at nine o'clock. The light was on inside the store. Not unusual. And then at 1050, two hours later, he's coming back around again. Um, We will touch back on this. That's something that has been a little questioned. This is a small mall. Why should it take two hours maybe to make rounds on that? Um, So he comes back around at 1050 and he notices again that the light is still on at Eileen's sportswear. So he goes to the door and the front door is unlocked and he walked in, which that also would not be procedure. Usually as the store is closing, you know, everyone would go lock doors and then come count money and close out registers and whatnot. So he calls out for Tracy, but no one answered, and he continues to walk through the store. So he walks into the storeroom, and there he found Tracy lying dead on the floor. She had been stabbed multiple times in her chest and back. Some accounts say arms and head as well. Uh, Sources say between 7 and 22 times she was stabbed. More sources than not lean to the 20 to 22 times. So it was quite a bit of of that. the security card immediately calls the police. By now, Tracy's parents were a bit worried and decided to drive there and check on Tracy. So the night before, Tracy and her boyfriend had actually recently broken up. But the night before, they decided to get back together. And so um, this was corroborated by friends of hers who she you know, went to school with that, that next day, the day of her murder. So the night before, she had been there talking to the boyfriend. Again, guys, no cell phones. 
time got away from her and her parents had come to check on her and, you know, asked her to come on home. And she did, you know, she said, so sorry, time got away from me. Her car had had an issue uh, recently too. So they kind of worried about that a little bit. So they get in the car to come check on her about 20 minutes away from their home. And they pull into the mall parking lot to see a deluge of police officers, you know, all these vehicles and blue lights. And they're worried sick, but they think that maybe there had been a robbery or something like that and that she was like talking to police. So as soon as they realize that um, things are bad, they start to look around and ask. And when they say, is Tracy okay?" Um, the first officer, I think, shook his head no. And before he could even hardly explain anything, the mom essentially goes into shock. She shuts down. They actually have to transport mom to a local hospital to be treated. Um, the crime scene, as you can imagine, we've talked about this with knife wounds, was very, very bloody. Uh, but nothing looked like it had been disturbed. Uh, there didn't appear to have been a struggle. And there was a small couple of drops of blood that led kind of toward the back door. There's a picture of Tracy, if you're watching, guys, that led toward the back door of the store she worked at onto the knob of the back door and back toward the trash cans. Because if you open that back door, it's going to lead out to the loading docks. So there's just the tiniest bit of blood that leaves that store storeroom uh, and follows back out the back door toward those trash cans at the loading dock. All right. So no money was missing from the register. Uh, the receipts had not been tallied and the closing procedures had not been completed, leaving us to believe that she never even got to her closing procedures. Right. So again, the money was still in the register. So not any money was gone. Everything was accounted for. The only thing that was missing uh, was her purse and her purse did include her keys and her wallet. Uh, but as far as anything in the store, there was not, it didn't look like robbery or theft was a motive there whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> so there was no sign of sexual assault. She was still fully clothed at the time. She didn't appear to have any defensive wounds. So initial thoughts were that she probably knew the murderer. That has continued to be the theme. We'll talk about some other ideas, but for the most part, it looks like she knew someone um, to have let them in all the way to the storage room. No defensive wounds, no struggle. All of these things look like she might have known this person. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Some will say that... Uh, if you read about this case, you're going to read a lot of fluff about mistakes being made in the early part of an investigation. You know, we've talked about this. Sometimes mistakes are made that you can't even account for. You know, it's it's much easier to look back with hindsight and say it should have been done this way or that way. I will say there's a pretty heavy consistent or can there's a pretty heavy consensus, excuse me, that mistakes were made in this one. And She's gone again. So I guess we can talk about Ghostbed. It's our other sponsor. We have Code Wolf Pack. We'll get you, I believe, 40% off, 30 or 40% off. I'm not sure what it is for this month. Eric, right before he went live, he has was just checking the because as we're recording this on August 1st. Uh, so that's when we get the new sponsors for the month. But Ghostbed is back again. They have a 50% off sale, and then they'll let you bundle everything together. We are waiting to buy a house, and as soon as we buy a house, the wife and I have already talked, and Ghost Bed is the first purchase that goes into the house. Well, I'm very much looking forward to getting them, and we might end up getting pillows beforehand. I'm not sure. We just bought some pillows right before in January this year, so we might wait a little bit longer. But she's back. Alrighty. Yeah. So for instance, in terms of if we're looking at things not being investigated the way people now say that it probably should have, you know how I said that there was blood on the latches of the doors that or the back door of the storefront or the store that go to the loading dock. That was never really, it said that they were kind of looked at with a flashlight. Like these doors were never taken into evidence. The handles were not taken into evidence. They just kind of Flashed over it with a flashlight, and that was kind of it. It says that the store's phone records were not subpoenaed in time, and the phone company eventually deleted them before they could have been subpoenaed. So just things like this that we can think about now and think that uh, probably should have taken place at the time. Um, <clears throat> there had been a man waiting in the parking lot, he says, from around 8.30 or so until about 9.15 or 9.30, 
because his girlfriend was also working at the mall. So he was waiting there near the entrance to the mall to pick her up when she got off of her shift. He has said that uh, he saw no one coming in or leaving the mall at that time. Uh, you know, maybe he was distracted. Maybe not. Uh, either way, we know that it was not a very busy night whatsoever. So that was kind of the only kind of like witness statement that we had whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So everything really was slow in the investigation for about three months at that point. There was not a whole lot to go off of. But at that time, three months later, a man, you guys listen to this. This is wild. A man calls this phone number. At that time, there was a call-in show that was a nationwide hotline in Las Vegas. All right. The hotline would charge callers by the minute to record their confessions. So you call in, you pay per minute to spill your guts, to give, to get whatever you want to off your chest. I don't know if this is like the secular version of a confessional at a Catholic church or what, but you pay, you confess, and then strangers call in and pay to listen. So that's what this hotline show was about. A man claiming to be someone named Don, D-O-N, he called in and he left a message that was haunting. I'm just going to play it uh, through my phone here so you can kind of, you can hear what he says. Keep in mind, it's a little, uh, it's a little muffled, not even just here, but it's muffled uh, when you listen to it on any platform whatsoever. It's more like phone noise than uh, man voice, but I'm going to let him, I'm going to let you hear what he says because I feel like his voice is a little chilling. And then when it's over, I will read to you the transcript word for word of what, of what he had said. All right. All right, guys, I understand that that's very difficult to uh, hear him clearly. You might have picked up on at least two or three sentences. So what he said was, hello, my name is Dawn, and I'm calling from Frederick, Maryland. I know this is going to sound surprising, but three months ago, I stabbed a girl to death. And you might think I'm making this tape. By making this tape, I'm setting myself up to be caught. But there's a lot of guys named Dawn and Frederick. The girl killed was working in a ladies' sportswear store. I often came by and talked to her when she was working there alone. And one night when she was in the storeroom and we were talking, our conversation turned into an argument. And so I took out a knife that I have with me at all times and I killed her. And a few days later, I realized I had created a lot of sadness and I thought about turning myself in to the police. But whatever they do to me, that won't bring Tracy back. So I've decided that I better keep free because we have the death penalty in Maryland. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry about what I did, but nothing can change it. Bye. I stabbed a girl to death, but thanks for listening. Thanks for Holy listening. hell. Yeah. And so he references the death penalty in Maryland, and he references the fact that he knows he caused sadness, but basically nothing is going to change it, so I'm just letting you know I did it. There's no sense in me going to prison because we can't bring her back. That's his rationale, right? And he said his name was Don. So did did they have security cameras around the did the, the mall have security cameras or no, nothing so at all? I've read nothing whatsoever about security cameras. Not only not inside, but even outside. Like I would be very curious about the ones near the loading dock in the back. 
uh, and there's nothing. We don't have anything about people going in and out in the front. But again, like you were touching on, it was 1989. Depending on the town, it's not surprising to me at all that they didn't have the cameras yet. Um, but they did not. And I think that would have made all the difference in the world in this case. In fact, this might not have happened the way it did had there been cameras um, to be seen. So at that time, the Frederick Police Department listened to that call and they believed right off the rip. They believed the call to be sincere. They believed that the caller was actually the murderer. The call was traced back to a payphone inside a supermarket in Walkersville, Maryland, which is about eight miles from Frederick where this happened. All right. So then in October of that same year, uh, not much later, one of the investigators wrote an open letter to this, quote, Don. All right. In the Frederick News Post, he basically just says that, like, he's willing to work with him. And he plays on what Don had said, stating that it would relieve the hurt and the suffering of the families if he came forward uh, and that, that would spare them that hurt that he mentioned. So two weeks after that. So he puts that open letter out in the newspaper appealing to Don. Two weeks later, they get a very different type of phone call. This is from a woman named Martha Woodworth. She was a psychic. Well, now we know, we know everyone has different ideas on how psychics play into murder investigations. And we hear about it a lot, but she's calling kind of in a different capacity. She's not calling to say she knew what happened. She's instead calling because she thinks she's bringing forward a potential suspect. All right. She calls to say... Uh, that a man had been calling her to talk to her about the case. Like, so initially she thinks this guy is like a friend of the victim or the family, and he's just doing everything he can to maybe figure out what happened. So he's calling a psychic. But then she kind of quickly learns that he doesn't seem to be asking her to tell him a whole lot at all. He just wants to talk about it. And he wants to talk about it in detail. And she was starting to get a little weirded out by this guy. She thought that he seemed obsessed. Uh, and then that actually did happen when he uh, he called. He said that his name, by the way, was Sean. So we had a Don earlier, and this is a Sean. Um, but he seemed, like I said, too interested in homicides. She said in general, but particularly in Tracy's case. So uh, he then mailed her numerous newspaper clippings about the case. So this is what spurred her to call police. So she was like, I'm done with this guy. I think he like crossed out his A's and his O's because she would say that his handwriting kind of weirded her out too. And she was like, okay, I don't like, I'm not even trying to be a psychic on this case, but I need this guy to quit calling me. All right. So she goes to the police with this information. So then the police decided to play that phone call that they recorded, that they had recorded from that confessional hotline show that Dawn that called in to Martha to see if that sounded like the guy, Sean, who's been calling her. They say that she immediately gasped and believed the voice to be that of what she knew or recognized as Sean. The second she heard it, she was, she said, that's, you know, that's gotta be him. That sounds just like him. He talks just like him. Um, I will say the man's voice in the, the call that we just heard is pretty distinct. His cadence is very tempered. His um, pitch is a little higher. Like, I think that it's a pretty distinct voice. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, she hears something that sounds like it and thinks that it is his. So this prompted investigation. Did they pull her phone records? Because if they could pull the uh, phone records, then they could see all of the incoming phone calls. Correct. You know what? There's not mention of that whatsoever, but that could have been one of those things that I they think that should have happened, then. but I don't know if they did. Okay. So this prompted them, though, to go to Sean's house. Well, they have his address or a return address from the mail that he sent her, at least. Right. So they get there to this guy's house whose address was on these clippings and they first show up with no warrant and just want to talk to Sean. He, Mr. I'm calling this psychic all day long to talk about the case, immediately invokes the fifth and says he's going to do so and not speak with them. So he clams up and will not speak whatsoever. So they then find out that his name was actually neither Sean nor Don. So he admits to having called her. He says nothing else. His name is not Sean. His name is not Don. Now we still have the piece that maybe he's the Don that called the other place, right? So try to keep this stuff uh, straight in your brains. The next day they come right back to his house and they bring a warrant. All right. So 
they go on in and they find multiple, multiple clippings of newspaper clippings of this case, of Tracy's case. It's all over. This is like Silence of the Lambs or something. So they sent off these uh, clippings for analysis. It did say that they obtained a DNA sample. We don't know what. Uh, ultimately, they couldn't obtain enough information or evidence to file any charges. So uh, they could not really confirm that he'd been at the scene that night or not or had any involvement whatsoever. And he was eventually cleared as a suspect. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. So someone who they believe is the on the voice for both the psychic and this confessional hotline is this one person. It's all one person. And then this one person with the, they have the connection, they have the phone records or they have the mail clippings. They can link them back together. The lady can say exactly the voice and they, how do, how do you clear somebody? That's even, that's a lot of circumstantial. I got, I understand because you don't, I mean, you have the, I mean, you have the body, but this person has very intimate details of knowledge of, of the crime. If they were on this tape, I'm not sure she'll be able to explain here in a second whether the, the tape was released to the public or not. But if it wasn't released to the public, then he would have intimate knowledge of a crime. That's something that law enforcement often do is all, they, they'll withhold specific pieces of information so they can corroborate whether this person is actually involved. Because some people will give fake confessions all the time because they just want to have credit for whatever is going on. How did they clear him? Exactly. All they could say, I think it's very strong to say clear. That's what, that's what all the sources say. But, you know, I think, and I almost think that they did clear him. Uh, I think it's one like, thing to did say. They re don't did they release the tape? I mean, how, if they've, have they've confirmed that he is this person on this tape, that he has specific details of, of the murder. Well, like those are again, the only confirmation that they would have would be her opinion that it's the same voice, right? You, like we I don't mean, have confirmation that he voice, was on. You couldn't analysis have, thing. You couldn't take a voice analysis and compare them back maybe, then. Maybe, but in, maybe, maybe. But I, I feel like this is where you know when we're always careful to say like when people fuss that the cops didn't do enough or investigators didn't do the right thing, and usually I think that they're wrong. Usually I think we just don't know what they did do. In this case, like I said at the beginning, I kind of feel like they're right. There's a lot of things that you'll touch on and me, not as an investigator, that I'm even kind of thinking, wait, why didn't we do this? Or why didn't we do this? Or what, What you know, and I don't think it's because it's information that they're withholding uh, from the public. It's just it's steps that weren't taken. So he, they say that they clear him, but it gets stranger. All right. So it's important to know now more about that security guard at the mall. Do you remember the man that found her body? He was working that night and his name was Don Barnes Jr. So insert an actual Don, okay? He was a deputy at the time at the Frederick County Sheriff's Department and he was like moonlighting, you know, for some extra cash at this mall as security. His father, there are conflicting sources that say, some say that his father was a sheriff of that same police department that where she was murdered during the murder, like when this took place. And his obituary, though, has him leaving the that department just a few years prior. Either way, he had been a sheriff there for almost two decades. So for a long time, uh, everyone in the county knew that man. Well, this Don Barnes Jr. is his son. All right. So uh, at this time, Don Jr. was married, but he was separated and living in a different residence. Uh, he did have a daughter and at the place he was living with, it, uh, he had a roommate and his roommate's name, strangely, was Sean. How I did I, I, there's a lot of, I understand there's, there's, there's just some things that happen and in cases that just coincidence. So I'll, I'll chalk it up to that. But I mean, if this guy, if, if this actual, the guy that they've cleared the first guy, if, if he's been friendly with her and she's been talking up and she's been there and talking with the security guy, like she, they could start to know names of these people. So the guy that's already inserted all these names and already done this confession, alleged confession. 
Ugh. Yeah. There are a lot of theories on this and it just, but look, it does get stranger. So, so buckle up. All right. So Is finally a about a day, <laughs> a green tarp. <laughs> finally. Uh, no, there's no tarp. Uh, nearly a decade later in 1998, a DNA sample from the case was submitted. It was insufficient amount to develop a genetic profile at that time of the murderer. Same with another sample then in 2003 and then in 2009, investigators sent off, quote, touch DNA uh, for testing at a private company with the Maryland State Police. Hey, Jackie. Uh, it has been stated that they have samples from two individuals who are currently suspects. All right. So let's talk a little bit on some of these theories. We have um, an interesting part here is that there was a detective that worked the case, Bob um, Servicek. He worked it from 1992 to 1994. He was involved, completely invested. He, um, I'm going to read to you what he said, but the frustration that he had with this case actually caused him moving forward to uh, just go on and leave. He left the department after this, after his time with this case. So it says that, um, like I said, he worked the case between 92 and 94, and he alleges that the acquaintance of Tracy was responsible for her death, saying that he'd visited, like his profile of this guy, saying that he would have visited the store that night to tell her he had feelings for her, but turned violent when this was not reciprocated. Um, sorry, guys, it's hard to read this little tiny... Bit. It says that according to the detective, he had brought the case to a grand jury. So he's trying to indict from a grand jury. They have a ton of witnesses at this point. It said that um, I think it was like 47 people they brought in to testify in front of the grand jury. And the grand jury did vote to indict. But the state's attorney office declined to prosecute the case. Um, they said that there wouldn't be enough to prosecute that they didn't have like the flaming gun so to speak to be able to do so but this man um serve a check the one who winds up leaving like i said the department this kind of pushed him over the edge he claims that quote politics and personal agendas ruined this case and that quote people are not doing their jobs and that the reason the acquaintance was never arrested those involved in this case said the indictment was not pursued because of circumstantial evidence and to avoid not being able to charge him again, if they couldn't get it the first time, he will go on to say multiple times though, he'll, he will huff and puff about it. And he says that this case, if you were to ask him about it today, he says that the case was solved in 1994. He is quite certain of what the, whomever it was that he tried to indict with the grand jury uh, there in 1994 was actually the murder. And he definitely raised some red flags when he said, quote, personal, uh, you know, uh, personal gains and politics had everything to do with this. Did they ever name him? No, they didn't. There was there was um, talks of a classmate. That was one of the theories that one of her classmates, you know, was like secretly in love with her and whatever. Now, we will go back to the boyfriend quickly. I'm sure that's going to be a question. I don't have the chats pulled up, but. The boyfriend has never been a suspect. So if you recall, they had broken up, but they had just gotten back together the night before. This is not unlike every 17-year-old on the planet. Uh, and he was never, they never spoke up an alibi or anything like that, but it looks like he was never, ever even a suspect whatsoever. So he was um, never looked at like that. Some, this is the more wazoo theory that I didn't even go down the rabbit hole to learn more about this serial killer, but some internet sleuths, if you will, will speculate that it could have been the victim. She could have been the victim of the I-70 killer. Um, that was a serial killer that we still don't know. Uh, that was the main suspect in the death of six store clerks in the Midwest between 92 and 94. And a lot of people do think that he was active prior to that. Uh, he was never he was never linked to this, never looked at as a suspect. Um, and it's not really widely believed. But I do have to throw it out there as one of the theories uh we know that a big theory people are pretty strong in their ideas of if they're in the camp that security card guard don barnes is the killer or he's not and the people who feel either way feel pretty strongly about it um 
uh, you know, it's a tough one. Someone has come forth claiming to be his daughter. Again, I don't know how we don't know if it's his daughter, why, why we don't know for sure or not. But she says she is his daughter and that uh, she believes him to be the murderer. And that she, when she heard the recording, it sounds like her father to her and that he has had a habit of flirting with younger women. Now, we will say that that is corroborated by some co-workers. At least that part is true. She also says that um, that night that he came back to her mother's house and changed clothes. Now, I don't know how old she could have been. I think he was only like 25, 26 at the time. So even if he had her kind of young, maybe seven, eight, that could be the case. Um. So enough that you would remember. I mean, I remember stuff from back then. I remember stuff for, from younger than that. Sure. This is a lot of speculation, but now she will she will claim um abuse toward herself and her mother from him, like physical abuse, domestic violence stuff. Uh these are things that are not I can't corroborate any of this. You know, this is a he said, she said, this woman came forward. Again, this may not even be the daughter because no one can confirm such, which I feel like that's what I would like to do if I'm investigating. Who is this woman? Let's figure her out. Let's vet her. And then if we got to cross her off, we cross her off and move right along. Uh, now, you know, this, another thing to think about is he was never questioned. So Don Barnes, the security guard, I don't mean he has to be brought in and interrogated with cigarette smoke blowing in his face and a slap on the table, but he was never actually, other than the initial moment that he calls police to this murder scene and they say, well, you know, where were you? And he says, oh, I made my rounds at nine and her light was on. No big deal. Mall was barely closed. Then I made my rounds at almost 11 and found her like this. They only did ask him what he had been doing in the time in between. And he's never been able to say what he was doing. Like he never could say, Guys, like I hate to say it, I was lazy. I was back there watching a football game in the break room. You know, he even that. Like he never said anything. He's never said what he was doing doing during that time, and so that does cause a lot of suspicion for people in a teeny tiny shopping mall in that small town. Why did it take him two hours to come back around to where that store was? And it, again, it could be a very plausible thing. He could have been taking a nap. But I think but I would say that. Why would if <laughs> why wouldn't you like his job is security in the building, and in the course of his job, somebody got killed. Might yeah. want to ask that guy a few questions. His car was never searched. His property was never searched, and he was never brought in for any questioning whatsoever. You gotta at not even as a you not to clear him as you just account for the time. In That's between. what I'm saying. He doesn't so have to be named a suspect immediately, exactly. but you're going to ask questions because he's the only one who has any, he's the only person who can speak to you. Her mother saw her at six and her manager saw her at eight. They were both gone. He is the only person that was in that building when this girl was murdered. And he is the one who found her body. There are questions to be asked. He doesn't have to be implicated in it, but you're going to ask a lot of questions, right? Worst case, let, let, let's just speculate. He's in the parking lot smoking a, a joint, some or smoking right. set, whatever he's doing. He's in the parking lot, just sitting in his car. He, you might, he might have seen something that he might seem trivial, but he'll get in trouble because he was supposed to be doing his rounds, but he's sitting in this parking lot smoking a well, joint. And that's or why I say, like, if he's whatever, you know, if he's watching, you know, a game or taking a nap in a break room and not pulling security, that's fine. Like, just say it. Like, because if, if I think that you're asking me where I was because this girl was murdered on my dime and it could have been me that did it, I'll tell you if I was, you know, being an idiot on my job. Either way, there are different camps on this. Um, I will say that soon after the murder, Don Barnes Jr. moved away to Egypt. Like as in the country. Hmm? How convenient. Right. So I looked into it. There is a um, uh, an extradition treaty between the U.S. and Egypt, but it's a case-by-case -case basis. And he actually lived there for many years until just recently. He's moved back into the States from what I understand. You just, I mean... Like 
like I, like, world, a lot of like you can go back and we can retrospect and just kick this department and the people that were working on it under the bus. All you, but it's easy to sit here, you know, now, you know, 35 years later and right. Monday morning quarterback, like to the 10th degree. And it's I tried not to do, to do it, but some of these things are glaring. These are, these there are not some, like, tiny details. Like you just kind of, there's just some T's you have to cross and I's you have to dot. I mean, just, just like I, if you didn't send out and do DNA on every piece of it, like I, I can see some of that stuff, but then you, you got to be able to, you get like the, the one guy with the, the voice guy, you got to maybe now we're, we're in modern times. Maybe we can, if they're still alive or we have the ability to analyze that stuff now. And if we have samples and, we can maybe put a shout out it out or, or name this guy that was from the indictment or, or maybe question the security guard or maybe the security guard was the guy from the indictment. And that's why there was political stuff because they'd have to get political and try to get extradition and get Egypt involved. Like, I like, wow. I mean, the, the most, a lot of like crimes and stuff, the most simplest answer is what it happens. Sometimes it's not like a, a big thing that's been long thought drawn out. Like the, like the updates we were just talking about beforehand, like she could have just been sleepwalking and got hit by a car. You guys got, they don't want to get in trouble for a drug deal and they got a hit and run of a, of a body, you know? Yeah. It's wild. And you know, so then let's go back. We can't forget. Let's not get hyper-focused on Don Barnes. We still have the caller also the named Don who called the hotline, but then we have the caller who called himself Sean, which we learn now he's not a Don or a Sean. We, excuse me, don't know his name, but he called the psychic. But then Don, the security guard, had a roommate named Sean. Sometimes they will say things like suspects when we read about this case. You know, is it a situation where he snaps and says, oh, shit, like he does in the call? And maybe he had his eyes on her. Let's say if we're working that theory, the security guard theory. She works at, she works two part-time jobs and they're side by side in that mall. So multiple days a week, she's at one of them, meaning he's seeing her often. Let's say he starts to, we know that people can get hyper-focused on someone, become a little obsessive. Maybe that's what he's doing with her. He sees her more and more. He learns that she's back with her boyfriend. She's, she and her boyfriend had broken up. So let's say he goes in there. Hey, Tracy, how's it going tonight? With no intention to kill her. Maybe she's going back in the storeroom to hang up something or do something and they talk. The caller says we had a talk and our talk turned to an argument. He did say, I thought it was very interesting. Did you pick up on this dead in the 911 call? He said, so I pulled out a knife that I always have with me. I don't, I'm used to people having a pocket knife or having a knife on them. I don't think that is strange. The way he said that, like his verbiage of, I pulled out the knife that I always have with me. Or that like I have with me at all times. That's what he said. Like, cause you, when you're dealing with people uh, on, like out on the street and you're talking with people, like there's, there's some people that you're going to run across and you're going to ask me, have any weapons on you? And they're going to go, yeah, I've got this and this. It, well, cause they were construction and they're on their way to their job at construction. So they're going to have construction right. tools, like five Gerbers or they'll have other stuff. Like they'll yeah. have things with them. So it's not uncommon to have that, but there are people that you'll deal with that, they'll always be known to carry a knife. And it's not like a knife well, look, I for... Grew up, I, like, yeah, like a pocket knife or something. Or like, like a steak knife. You'll deal with some homeless people that'll deal... Like they always have a steak knife on them or something like that to, yeah. to, to, to defend themselves or, in this case, yeah. murder a woman. It was just something about the verbiage. Like, I've, we've not yet learned what kind of knife this... Like, we, we don't know. We've never found the murder weapon. So I, they've not said, I've not found anything that indicates that they think it's a seven inch fixed blade or it's a, you know, like there's nothing that I can find that tells what kind of knife it was, but just something about the way people talk and they give away things sometimes that just because they said it just in an odd way. And he, to me, that was odd. Um, I pulled out the knife that I have with me at all times and I stabbed her with it. Okay. Has he thought about the fact that he has this knife on him? You know, he knows he can use, I don't, it was just bizarre. Either way, I think that that could be a working theory that, you know, they get to talking. He's already developed this obsession with her. And then she, you know, kind of pushes back on his advances and then says something about her boyfriend. You know, she and her boyfriend are back together. 
and he gets angry and snaps. Now, that would be the profile that the detective gave anyway, someone she knows. Again, back to the witness, and witnesses are fallible, so I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket, but the guy that was sitting in the parking lot waiting on his girlfriend, he said he never saw anyone come in or come out. Again, can point toward the security guard that was already inside the mall. And if he leaves out the loading dock back door, just like we know somebody did, because it had her blood on it, um, you know, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. So, a, plus, whatever this mysterious person that they had the indictment ready to go for, and was it him? Be, was it him? Was it this the 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 Miss Cleo caller guy? I mean, right. So Miss like, Cleo caller has been like chalked up to just like crazy guy obsessed with the case, which we know happens. I mean, that does happen. Mm -hmm. People get obsessed with cases and hang up clippings and make phone calls and uh, or like you've said earlier, try to insert themselves in the case somehow or say they have a tip when they don't or, you know, whatever. So some of that can be explained away. I do think it's strange that he called the way he did so much and sent in the clippings. I don't, even that can be explained away. The fact that he sounded so much like the first guy that called was interesting. Uh, and we don't know about the DNA that they collected from him otherwise or or else it doesn't count because they've cleared him. So some of the theories have been too, I read that maybe someone doesn't want to call, even though they know it's anonymous and say they know something about who did it. Instead, they know the names of who did it. And so they call and use those names, basically call like, like they are the murderer to try to get people on that trail. I feel like that's a little far-fetched, but it could happen, I guess. I don't know. And I mean, I'm not trying be... to be like, I'm not trying to like provide confirmation bias and hear all this and say it's a security guard and then make it work to that end, you know, that it has to be him because of these things. I'm trying to do with the opposite of that, but my goodness, I mean, it's, it's surely walking and talking like a duck. We'll see. There's definitely more unanswered questions than answered. And, the, and, Egypt. and it's, I mean, and they had an indictment ready to go. The DA. Mm -hmm. For whatever, like, at what point does that get? What's what's the statute of limitations on that? When can the detective go? Okay, hey, this is the guy that I said that we had. This is the murder. They didn't want to do anything about it. Go look at them. If you want justice, the family's upset. Go talk to them. They we had. Yeah, this is very much an ongoing investigation. It got revamped again in 2019. The family is still in contact with authorities, uh, pretty much monthly at least. Uh. They say that, in fact, it's got new fresh eyes on it to the point that they're calling up the old detectives that have been on the case and interviewing them. So it's not gone away. It's not out of their minds. It is the biggest case uh, currently in that area, as you can imagine, uh, being unsolved, I mean. And so uh, the mom and dad, it's pretty tragic. Uh, like I said, she had three other siblings, all kind of close in age. They were older kids at that point. But that... Um, soon after this, I told you mom had to be treated at a hospital, you know, for quote shock. I'm sure she probably passed out or fainted and, and whatever the moment it happened. And then moving forward, she's become pretty much a recluse. Like she'll leave the house, but only if her husband or one of her other kids are with her, she won't leave the home. Her health has kind of declined. The dad was a truck driver who quit his job so he could be closer to home because he said being on the road like that, his mind just raced too much. That's all he could think about. So he had to get off the road, come home, and his back has had some pretty bad issues. I'm back. I'll oh, come jump go. in. I don't know why she's having these issues, but we'll get it taken care of. Um, this is this was nuts, though. Bizarre case, man. I'm glad we got what to do you, What do you uh, think? You think it's a security guard? You think it's a Cleo guy? Or you think it's just some other random third person? Oh, he froze, too. Um, I think we can probably wrap it up. You guys, please get in that because I always ask y'all to do this. I want to hear what you have to say. I love to hear. Um, tell me something I haven't thought of yet. Let's let's discuss it. Like so, when I put the IG post up about it, let's let's talk about what you think. I just put the Asha degree one up today from last week. So, um, I want to engage with you and, and hear your thoughts on this. And so, uh, you guys are smart. You guys like this stuff. You know what you're talking about. I want to hear what you what you have to say. Um, but moving forward, we're excited. Like you guys know, we have shows pretty much every day a week now. We're all just kind of doing all the things here. Do we have somebody else coming on or is that just the, oh, oh Eric's there. um, so yeah, we've got a lot of things going on moving forward again. This will be, um, it's a true crime Tuesday. That's how you can find it. If you look wherever you are streaming, if you look it up on YouTube or any of the streaming services. 
purposes. Uh, it's going to say true crime. So you know exactly what show you're getting for this one, just like Friday is the case breakdown. And we have Comp Center and we have Last Call and we have Uncuffed. Um, and then we've got some, I got some shirts out there. I think that they only run for another couple of days, maybe. It's kind of a limited time order stuff. So if you want to get in some original, now that we've got, um, Eric's got night shift, top secret information. So I'm trying to get y'all used to a little bit of a different name over here. So it's going to be stay awake. And we got some fun shirts there to buy. Um, maybe do some koozies or something. Um, Eric, do you have a new baby? Was that a false? No, alarm? no, 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 not yet. No, not yet. But uh, we're getting close, man. It could be any day now. Man, I thought you I now. thought you went home, called a baby, and came back to debut her on <laughs> night shit or on here Dude, to stop. I, I, I mean. Cord dangling. It's cool. Happen. It just doesn't know. I don't know which day that's going to happen, but it's not, it doesn't look like it's going to happen tonight. Maybe it'll be tomorrow morning. We'll get see on the back porch like Simba. <laughs> yeah. But Josh is going to stay on for sure. No matter what. And uh, he's going to do the whole thing, but I'm, uh, I'm ordering some new stuff right now. So but yeah. Wow. What a crazy case. Uh, well, you yeah, know, it seems like lately though, all these cases have been being solved. Um, so I've got high hopes, technology and everything. We've got a heck of a show tomorrow, exactly. man. We've got UFOs tomorrow. We've got aliens to cover tomorrow. We've got Mitch McConnell being turned off by some crazy woman in a green dress. You're not going to want to miss all the political news tomorrow uh, because it is chocked full. That episode's going longer. And then we're wrapping that up and going straight over to Patreon for T-Bones with Tansy with Anthony Romaldi. So that's going to be a good show. Uh, if you guys don't have anything else, um, We'll see you guys yeah. on the next one. Guns up, giddy up. You guys have an amazing night. Until next time.